Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast, an oral history of pro and college football. This episode, legendary kicker and 1982 NFL MVP, Mark Mosley. Hi everyone, I'm Jackson Michael. Welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast. The Game Before the Money is an oral history project that celebrates both football and American history through the stories of the men who played the game. This episode features Mark Mosley, the only kicker in NFL history to win the league's Most Valuable Player Award. He kicked for several teams, although he is best known for his time with the Washington Redskins. Mosley is also often remembered as the last of the straight-on style kickers in the NFL after soccer-style kickers took hold. During part of the 1970s and into the 1980s, Mark Mosley stood as likely the most prominent kicker in the league, known for his dependability and perhaps more than anything, his knack for coming through in the clutch. When the game was on the line, you wanted Mark Mosley lining up for your team. Although most of us remember Mosley setting up as a straight-ahead kicker for the Washington Redskins and nailing kick after pressure-filled kick, Mosley's road to success was surprisingly bumpy. In the end, however, his talents were undeniable, and when he finally got to D.C., he not only found a home, he etched his name in a legendary franchise's history so deeply that it's difficult to picture him in any other uniform. The way he got to Washington is an incredible story in itself. For those of us who remember him, Mosley was one of the best, if not the best, kicker of his day. His story is one of perseverance, as he told me he was actually cut several times before he finally found a true home in Washington. I was so thankful to get a chance to interview Mark Mosley in June of 2021 at a TriStar Productions event in Houston. Mark was very generous in sharing so many great stories about his career and how he wound up as one of the most successful kickers in NFL history and certainly of his era. Mosley was born in 1948. He spent much of his youth in Livingston, Texas. Livingston is about 75 miles north of Houston. I went to school there from the uh, sixth grade through high school, graduated from there in 66. I was a running back back then, we ran the single wing. Here are some high school statistics that might surprise you. Mark Mosley finished third in the state of Texas in rushing yards in 1965 for Division IIA high schools. He rushed for over 1,500 yards that season. That is according to TexasHighSchoolFootballHistory.com. Mosley also ran track. He was particularly fast 
at the 220-yard dash. Official state records list Mosley as finishing second at the Texas State track meet in 1966. At the 1965 Texas State High School track meet, Mosley finished fifth in the broad jump. So although we all might think of Mosley simply as a guy who trotted out on the field and kicked field goals, the reality is he was an outstanding all-around athlete. Mosley eventually attended two colleges and possibly another surprising fact to many of you, he played quarterback in college. Went to Texas A&M my freshman year and then transferred to Stephen F. Austin SFA. Played there most of my college. I didn't even go to college to be a kicker. I just happened to always outkick all the other kickers that they had there that were on scholarship. It wasn't until I got drafted in 1970 by the Eagles that I really started concentrating on just kicking. But I was still a backup quarterback. When I came to Washington, George Allen made me the third team quarterback because I'd played quarterback in college and I could do okay if I needed to go in and take a snap. Mosley was drafted in the 14th round of the 1970 NFL Draft by the Philadelphia Eagles. I've often brought up the fact that the NFL Draft wasn't the huge spectacle back then that it is today. Players found out they were drafted in all kinds of unusual scenarios. Here's how Mark Mosley found out that the Eagles had drafted him in the 1970 NFL Draft. Actually, I was out in the logwoods. I was running my dad's pulpwood operations here in Livingston. I had been listening to the radio on the first day of the draft. I wasn't, they didn't pick me. Tex Ram from the Cowboys had called me the week before and said they were going to draft me as quick as they can because Mike Clark had just retired and he had been working with me at SFA that whole offseason. And then they never drafted me, so I assumed I didn't get drafted. The second day I was working and I didn't even have a radio back then to listen to see what the reports were. So two weeks later I got a call from the Eagles. <laughs> it, said it, was, it was two weeks after the draft when I found out I'd been drafted. Mosley spent one year with the Eagles before the team spent a high draft choice on kicker Happy Feller from the University of Texas and Mosley was cut by the Eagles as a result. Remember how at the top of the show I mentioned that Mosley's NFL journey is pretty incredible? Here's what happened after he was released by Philadelphia. I got cut from the Eagles. They drafted Happy Feller, if you remember from Texas, and he came in and I actually beat him out, but because they drafted him, they didn't want to get egg on their face, so they, they let me go and the Saints called me. So I drove all the way down, immediately left training camp, drove down before the first regular season game. I drove through, I think it was Hurricane Agnes to get there. Drove through the middle of it to get to New Orleans. And when I got there, they decided they wanted to hold off so they didn't let me do anything all week. They put me in a hotel or a little motel outside. I didn't have anywhere to work out or anything. So Mosley drove through a hurricane to reach a tryout with the Saints. I looked up the 1971 hurricane records and it was actually likely Hurricane Edith that Mosley endured the strongest storm of that year's hurricane season. The winds in Louisiana reached 105 miles per hour. The Saints needed a new kicker in 1971 because Tom Dempsey, 
who set the NFL record for the longest field goal in 1970, moved from the Saints to the Rams. Mosley arrived in New Orleans, but said that he only kicked a few attempts and the Saints sent him on his way. That could have been the end of Mark Mosley's NFL career. He moved back to the Houston area. He didn't let go of his dream, however. In fact, he was tenacious in his journey. We were staying with my wife's grandmother over in, I guess it was Southwest Houston over there. And I would go and camp out in the offices of the Oilers. When they opened in the morning, I would be there. And when the coaches would come in the afternoon after practice, I would still be there sitting in the office. And finally on Thursday, the head coach, who was Ed Hughes, came in and he saw me there and he came over and introduced himself and he said, son, he said, who are you? And I said, I'm Mark Mosley. I, I kicked for the Eagles last year as a rookie and they cut me and I said, I think I can do a better job kicking for you. So he just camped out in the Houston Oilers offices until the coach finally said something to him. And at this point, all Mark Mosley had on his resume was a single year with the Eagles and only one personal recommendation from himself that he could do a better job kicking than what the Oilers current kicker was doing, who had missed a field goal and an extra point in the first two weeks. Oilers head coach Ed Hughes decided to give Mosley a shot. So he said, well, I'll tell you what, he said, um, you've been pretty consistent about being here and resilient. He said, uh, I'll tell you what, tomorrow, come out here and after practice, I'll have somebody stay out and we'll just see what you can do. That was on Friday. And sure enough, he kept one of the coaches out to snap and another coach to hold. And I did some kickoffs first and kicked them all out of the end zone. And he walked back up and he said, I like what I see here. He said, let's kick some field goals. So we started kicking. We went all the way back to 55 yards and I didn't miss any kicks. And he said, you know, he said, I, I kind of like what you're doing here. Give me your phone number. So that was on a Friday. Mosley went home to his wife's grandmother's house, not knowing if he'd ever hear from the Oilers, or for that matter, the NFL, ever again. The next morning, about 7 o'clock, the phone rang at my, my wife's grandmother's house, and she hollered upstairs at me, and I came down, and it was Coach Hughes, and he says, Mose, he says, can you come out and, and try? We're going to let you kick today. This was Saturday. He said, we're going to let you kick with our normal snapper and, and holder, who was uh, actually Dan Pastorina. So it's Saturday morning. The Oilers are taking a second look at Mosley, this time with Dan Pastorini holding, their quarterback of the future, who was the third overall pick in the NFL draft that year. Mark tells us how his second session with the Oilers went. I didn't miss anything, and I was kicking field goals, and, and I was, you know, from 55 yards back, and all my kickoffs were going through the goalpost and out of the end zone. When we got through, Ed Hughes came up to me, said, I like what I see. He said, just stay close to the phone. That was Saturday morning. That afternoon, I got the call, and he says, Mark, he says, you think you could kick for us tomorrow? Tomorrow. Can you kick for us tomorrow? in a regular season NFL game. Just like that, Mosley was back in the NFL. And not only that, the Oilers were set to play the New Orleans Saints that Sunday. 
a team that had previously tried Mosley out and chose someone else as their kicker. Mosley kicked two field goals and an extra point. His 44-yard field goal in the fourth quarter landed the game into a 13-13 tie. And that's how it ended up. And I remember seeing the coach walking off the field shaking his head after I made that field goal. And he came over and said, I guess we made a mistake, didn't we? <laughs> so this might be a part in the story where you think, all right, that's the moment that changed Mark Mosley's career. And it was smooth sailing after that. The truth is, Mosley still had a long way to go to becoming one of the most recognizable kickers in NFL history. The Oilers fired head coach Ed Hughes. The team hired Bill Peterson. Under Peterson's tenure, the Oilers traded future Hall of Famer Ken Houston and future Hall of Famer Charlie Joyner. Mark Mosley was also sent packing. He was waived in September of 1972. I got cut and I was out the rest of all of 72 and 73. After Peterson Cup, nobody would even return a phone call to me. No phone calls returned for the rest of the 1972 season. At this point, one would never guess that Mosley would one day be named most valuable player of a league that wouldn't return his phone calls at the moment. A ray of sunshine broke through the clouds when Sid Gilman took over as head coach of the Oilers in the middle of the 1973 season. But Mosley said that sunshine was brief. When Sid Gilman came in 73, the kicker that they had brought in after me had had a terrible year. And he called me and asked me if I would come back to the Oilers. And I said, sure, because I, I couldn't get anybody to return a phone call. So he said, we'll give you a contract. I signed it. I showed up for training camp and went through a physical. They said I flunked the physical and I was in the NFL. I couldn't go anywhere so nobody could talk to me. So I sat out all of the rest of 73 that whole season. Now Mark went a little deeper into that story, which I will cover later either on the podcast and or on the gamebeforethemoney.com. Suffice it to say that it was quite a surprise that Mosley didn't pass his physical. The result dimmed the hopes of having any sort of NFL future. No returned phone calls. A chance lost to a failed physical. That's the end of the road for a lot of players. And it's a phrase we've all heard as fans before, how a player failed his physical However, we as fans don't really know much about the process. And again, that's something that I'd like to delve into in another episode of this podcast and or on thegamebeforethemoney.com. So at this point, Mosley's been drafted and cut by the Eagles after one year. He was given a tryout by the Saints. He kicked for the Oilers for a season and was released. Then he was offered a contract with the Oilers a year later, but hit that snag with the physical. Nobody else in the NFL is returning his calls. He's basically been out of football for two seasons. Indeed, Mark Mosley's entire story is rather incredible because we know how it ends up. But as the calendar flipped, from 1973 into 1974, 
Mosley's NFL future seemed as remote as a 65-yard field goal attempt. When Robert Brazil was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he mentioned in his induction speech how every player can remember that one phone call that opened the door and changed everything. That call came from Mark Mosley in February of 1974. In February of 74, I got a call from George Allen and he said, I remember when you kicked three field goals against my Redskins team two years ago in a driving rainstorm at RFK Stadium. He says, I need a kicker that can kick in all kinds of weather because I'm going to have a good defense and I just need three points. If I can get three points in bad weather, we'll win. So I said, well, don't you want me to show up? He said, no, don't worry about it. He said, just be at camp. I'm going to send you a contract. I signed my contract, showed up in July and ended up having to beat out, I think it was nine other kickers, including a kid that they drafted that year. Washington drafted kicker Mike Flatter out of the Colorado School of Mines in the ninth round of the 1974 NFL draft. According to a February 17th, 1974 Washington Post article, the Redskins signed two other kickers on the exact same day that they signed Mark Mosley. A July 20th Washington Post article stated that Mosley supposedly had the best shot of any of George Allen's carousel of kickers to make the squad. On August 9th, a Washington Post story claimed that Mosley had pretty much made the team after going 3-4-3 in an exhibition game against New England. The rest, as they say, is history. He immediately boosted Washington's kicking game in 1974. He tied for first in the NFL for field goals in the 40-49 to yard range during an era when 50-yard field goals were rare. That was during a season in which he missed a few games near the end of the year with what the Washington Post described as a pulled muscle. Over the next few years, Mosley became the NFL's top place kicker. He led the NFL in field goals in 1976, 1977, 1979, and 1982. For those of you who remember Mark Mosley, you likely remember him as a clutch kicker. He didn't just make field goals. He made important field goals, game-winning field goals. He also made field goals consistently no matter what the weather was. Snow, rain, sleet, or sun, like the U.S. mail, Mosley delivered. In 1982, he made history in all sorts of ways, and so did the Washington Redskins. Mosley hit two field goals in the last three minutes during week one at Philadelphia. The second tied the game with no time left on the clock. He later kicked the game-winning field goal in overtime. Shortly thereafter, the 1982 NFL season was interrupted by a player's strike that started after week two. Games didn't resume until mid-November and the regular season was shortened to nine games. Once the season restarted, 
Mosley still had history and field goals to make. He hit four field goals, one in each quarter, to score all of Washington's points in a 12-7 victory over the St. Louis Cardinals. The Joe Gibbs coached Washington Redskins entered the seventh game of the season at 5-1 with a divisional showdown at home against the New York Giants who had won three straight games. Meanwhile, Mosley closed in on the NFL record for consecutive field goals made. The game against the Giants was the, the division title game. Whoever won that game would win our division. I went into that game with 18 consecutive field goals. And you know, I'd have to make three of them to set a new record. And by halftime, I'd kicked two field goals, which tied the record. And then came down to the fourth quarter with four seconds left. And I went out to attempt a 42-yard field goal in a snowstorm because you couldn't even see the goalpost. It was snowing so hard. And the field was a mess. And they actually broke through. And a guy actually hit the ball with his hand. And it still never, it never wavered. It went right down the middle from 42 yards out. The New York Times summary of the game stated that Byron Hunt of the Giants got his hand on the ball, but it didn't matter. Mosley's kick still rang true. The New York Times also quoted Washington quarterback Joe Theismann as saying that he had a dream the night before that Mosley kicked the game-winning field goal. Dreams came true for Mosley, Theismann, and the Washington Redskins in 1982. And those types of field goals, late in the game, bad weather, muddy field, those are the types of field goals that helped define Mosley's career. The kick against the Giants that year was from 42 yards in a driving snowstorm. It set a new NFL consecutive field goal record. It won the game and it put us in the playoffs for the first time in six years. So there was a huge huge amount of pressure on that one kick, but it was something that I lived for. Mosley lived for the pressure and Washington fans lived for watching their team win. And what a great team to watch in the 1980s. There was the Hogs, that famous offensive line. The Fun Bunch, a group that stood in a circle and simultaneously did a huge high five in the end zone after touchdowns. There were the Smurfs, a group of short, quick, dynamic wide receivers. The genius of Joe Gibbs and his fantastic staff. The pressure kicker, Mark Mosley. An incredible defense. And the diesel, John Riggins, running the football. It truly was a great football team that stormed through the 1982 NFC playoffs and defeated their arch rival, the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC Championship game as RFK Stadium literally shook. The win lifted Washington into Super Bowl 17 against the Miami Dolphins at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. Mosley hit his second field goal of the game in the third quarter to slice Miami's lead to 17-13. Washington later faced a fourth and one on Miami's 43-yard line with 10 and a half minutes left 
in the fourth quarter. The score was still 17 to 13. I was ready to go in because the way I figured the way everything else had gone that year, in that situation, I would have to go in on fourth down and kick a field goal, which would have put us within, I think, one point at that time. And then we had enough time left in the game that we could drive down and get another field goal to win the game. Instead of going for the field goal attempt, Coach Joe Gibbs chose to go for it. The play call was a running play designed for John Riggins called 70 Chip. According to a post on WashingtonFootball.com, the exact name of the play and formation called in the huddle was goal line, I left, tight wing, 70 chip on white. Riggins took the handoff, plowed over a defender, and rushed 43 yards for a touchdown in one of the most famous plays in Super Bowl history. The play gave Washington a 20-17 lead after Mosley's extra point. They added another score later and won Super Bowl 17 over Miami, 27-17. John Riggins was named the Super Bowl's most valuable player. Mosley played a large part in the victory as well as he had done all season. He scored nine of Washington's 27 points in Super Bowl 17. For the season, he posted 76 of the team's 190 points, averaging over eight points a game, according to profootballreference.com. Mosley's point total equated to 40% of the team's points that year. Plus, he had that clutch kick against the Giants and set a new NFL record for most consecutive field goals without a miss. Mosley said that Washington's PR department told him that he was a finalist for the league's Most Valuable Player Award. I didn't even think anything about it because I said there's no way there's never been a special teams player or kicker ever even nominated, much less the win. That'd be impossible. A full-time place kicker winning the MVP award did seem impossible at the time, especially when the other finalists included Dan Fouts and Marcus Allen. When the votes were tallied, however, Mosley beat Fouts by two votes out of the 79 votes cast to win the 1982 NFL MVP award. Mark tells us how he found out that he was the NFL most valuable player. Then on Friday, Coach Gibbs came up to our team meeting and came in and said, guys, I want to make an announcement since they just named Mark as the NFL MVP this year. And the team went ballistic. You know, they went crazy. Just imagine how much fun that must have been to be in that team meeting and joining in on that celebration. Mark Mosley, a kicker who just a few years before couldn't get anybody to return his phone calls. A man who drove through a hurricane for an NFL tryout was named the NFL MVP. Going from rags to riches, from being out of football for two years to the league's the only kicker ever to be the NFL MVP. What a story indeed. An incredible journey for a man who held on to his NFL dream and sat in the Houston Oilers office just hoping for a tryout. Then... He was out of football until George Allen remembered being impressed with his all-weather skills. Mosley remains the 
only full-time kicker to win the Associated Press NFL Most Valuable Player Award. Paul Horning also won the award and also kicked, but he was also a Hall of Fame caliber running back for the Green Bay Packers. Lou Groza kicked and won the Sporting News MVP in the 1950s, but he was also an outstanding offensive lineman for the Cleveland Browns and made nine Pro Bowls. Mark Mosley talked about his unique achievement as the only full-time place kicker to be named MVP. This never happened since and probably won't ever happen again, more than likely. It's just that the year, the way it went with the strike and our team was young, we were just getting going. Uh, our offense hadn't kicked into gear yet and they just needed what I could do, which was make field goals under pressure. Because that year against the Cardinals, I kept my streak going. We beat them 12 to seven and I scored all the points in that game. 1982 was certainly a high watermark for Mosley and the Washington Redskins, but the team's success and Mosley's great story didn't stop there. The train kept rolling in 1983. The next year is when we set the all-time scoring record. The team is 541, I think, and I, I scored 161 points that year, which was a new league record for points scored. That is true what Mosley just said. He did set an NFL record for most points in a season post-merger, and it was also the all-time NFL record for points scored by a full-time place kicker. That record of 161 points stood until 1998. Of course, Paul Horning for a long time held the all-time pre- and post-merger record for all players with 176 points scored in 1960 before LaDainian Tomlinson topped that in 2006. As of the end of the 2020 NFL season, Mark Mosley's 1983-point total still ranks 8th for all players in over 100 years of NFL history, and it still stands as a franchise record. Mosley also set the team record for number of field goals made in 1983. That record stood for over 30 years until it was broken by Dustin Hopkins in 2016. As for Washington's NFL record team point total in 1983, that record also stood until 1998. As of the end of the 2020 NFL season, that total still stands eighth in NFL history, according to StatMuse. Washington finished 14 and 2 in the 1983 regular season. They crushed the Los Angeles Rams 51 to 7 in the divisional round and played at home against the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. The 1983 NFC Championship game was decided by yes, a Mark Mosley field goal. He nailed a 25-yarder with 40 seconds left in the game. That wasn't even time for the great Joe Montana to pull off a rally. Washington won their second straight NFC title with a 24-21 win. Again, it's Mosley and the pressure kicks, especially on a difficult day to kick. 
Mosley and San Francisco's Ray Wershing missed a combined six field goals that day. And Mosley's game winner was the only field goal either kicker made on that chilly overcast afternoon. Certain types of players want the ball when the game is on the line, and you can put Mark Mosley into that category. I wanted it to come down to me. I just had that mentality. And I, at that time, I had so much confidence in my ability to make the field goals. And Joe, was, Joe and Jeff Wastick were both doing such a great job at snapping and Joe holding that, you know, I never even worried about missing one. Mosley's teammate and holder Joe Theismann won the NFL's MVP award in 1983. Teammates winning the AP Most Valuable Player Award in back-to-back -back years is an uncommon occurrence. It only happened twice before, and as of the end of the 2020 season, it has only happened once since. Paul Horning and Jim Taylor won in consecutive years for the Packers, and Johnny Unitas and Earl Morrill won in back-to-back -back years for the Colts before Mosley and Theismann won their back-to-back -back MVPs. Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk won back-to-back -back awards for the Rams in 1999 and 2000, and Warner actually won it again in 2001. The Washington Redskins were denied back-to-back -back Super Bowl championships when the Los Angeles Raiders defeated them in Super Bowl 18. Mosley continued to kick for Washington until he was released partway through the 1986 season. Imagine telling Mark Mosley back in 1973 that he would still be playing in the NFL in 1986 after missing the vast majority of two seasons. It would have been hard to believe. And listen to his accomplishments at the time he was released. He was, and still is, Washington's all-time leading scorer. And it's not even close. His 1,206 points wearing the burgundy and gold is over 400 points ahead of Chip Lowmiller in second place, and more than double than Dustin Hopkins' 541 points in third place. Mosley's 263 field goals still remain a franchise record. Upon his release, the Washington Post noted that Mosley held 10 team records and three NFL records. But Mosley's career and his legacy of making field goals under enormous pressure wasn't finished quite yet. Mosley was working for CBS in 1986 after his release from Washington when Cleveland Browns kicker Matt Barr suffered an injury on a kickoff. And I was on TV and after the game was over, they were watching the post game. I was doing some reviews of the game and all that stuff. And the owner of the Browns looked at the general manager and said, who are we going to bring in for a kicker? And he said, that guy right there on the TV, he said, Mark Mosley, we're going to call him. They called me while I was on the air. I was live on the air and I got a phone call. When the guys came over and he said, uh, Mr. Mosley said, you got a phone call here, supposedly from the owner of the Cleveland Browns. Jimmy the Greek Snyder said, ah, that's a bunch of, that's somebody just playing a hoax on us. Don't worry about it. And we went right on to doing our TV thing and then after it was all over, I got to thinking, well, I saw we kicker broke his leg. Maybe they are, because I hadn't had anybody even nose around that after I got released. Sure enough, I made the phone call, and it was the GM. 
Yet another amazing story in the career of Mark Mosley doing live football coverage on CBS, reviewing a game in which the kicker gets hurt and the team calls him. Remember how the Houston Oilers added Mosley to their roster and asked him if he could show up the next day? As Yogi Berra might say, this was deja vu all over again. They said, can you be here tomorrow? And I said, well, I'm in New York right now. I've got to fly back home to, to D.C. and then I'll get the earliest flight I can get tomorrow. And so I flew back home, packed a bag, caught the first flight out the next morning, Monday morning. I got there around noon on Monday and they had four other kickers in there. They took us out, we kicked. They called me over and they said, we're gonna go with you. Cleveland's next game was a home game against their AFC Central rivals, the Houston Oilers. I kicked, I think it was two or three field goals, but the last kick was a 48-yard field goal that won the game. And I kicked it against the dog pound. You had to win the dog pound over if you were gonna be successful in Cleveland. And I kicked it right at their end. That game-winning field goal came in overtime as the Browns won 13-10. Cleveland finished first in the AFC Central in 1986. They played a divisional game at home against the New York Jets in the playoffs. The way that game ended was vintage Mark Mosley. He kicked a field goal with under 10 seconds left to tie the game and send it into overtime. This game tends to be a true overlooked classic because it's one of the few games in NFL history that went into a second overtime. That's something that's very rarely happened in NFL playoff history. The ending of the game was something that NFL fans had seen time and time again. A game-winning field goal by Mark Mosley. Mosley kicked the game-winning field goal in the second overtime, his second field goal that game with the season on the line. Things just happened for me. That's why I say I was just one of those guys that knew how to handle the pressure. It just was something that I, I wanted to do. And I reacted to it in a positive way rather than a negative way. Most kickers can't do it. I think that's why I was so successful all those years in the game winners. Mosley's last NFL field goal came in the fourth quarter of the 1986 AFC Championship game. He punched a game-tying field goal for Cleveland in the fourth quarter. That was his second field goal of the day. The Denver Broncos won that game, and you can hear more about that game in the Carl Mecklenburg episode of the Game Before the Money podcast, which is episode number 28. Mark Mosley's NFL career ended in the playoffs with a game-tying field goal to send a divisional playoff into overtime, a game-winning field goal in that game in double overtime, and a perfect two-for-two two in the AFC Championship game, including a game-tying field goal in the fourth quarter. We all know that Mark Mosley was a successful NFL kicker, the only kicker to win the NFL MVP award. He has also been incredibly successful after football in the business world. In fact, you may have recently eaten in one of his restaurants. I am one of the owners and founders of Five Guys Burgers. I went to the family when they had four stores 20 years ago, 19 years ago, uh, there in Arlington, Virginia. They had four or five, five guys and they were struggling. And 
I went to them and said, you know, I can help you guys if we can franchise this. And we did. Now we have 1,700 stores. We're in 50 countries around the world. Mosley stays grateful for what he has and what he got to do in the National Football League. When you trace his story, it's truly remarkable. From out of a job for two seasons to helping create some of the most memorable moments for fans of the Washington Redskins to winning the NFL's MVP award and still holding franchise records today. Mark Mosley, the pressure kicker. According to a 1986 Washington Post article, the game-winning field goal that he hit for the Browns against Houston was the 15th time in 12 seasons that Mosley hit a game-winning field goal in the final four minutes of the game or in overtime. The article also stated that kick also made Mosley the NFL's all-time leader in overtime field goals with five. He ended his career with six game-winning overtime field goals, the last one fittingly coming in the NFL playoffs. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Game Before the Money podcast. Special thanks to Mark Mosley for interviewing for the Game Before the Money. Also, thank you to TriStar Productions. Upcoming episodes of the Game Before the Money podcast include stories from Bill Butler, who played for the Packers in Vince Lombardi's first season and for the Dallas Cowboys in that team's first season. We'll also have AFL legends Nolan Smith and Bob Stein of the Kansas City Chiefs. And here's some incredible behind-the-scenes playoff history from groundskeeper George Toma, who also appeared on episode 54 of the Game Before the Money podcast. Transcriptions of some podcast episodes are available at thegamebeforethemoney.com and are powered by our transcription partner, Sonics. It's S-O-N-I-X. Visit sonics.ai to learn more about their transcription service. Mm-hmm.